0: Hello, it's KJ. Again, welcome to I'm 62 and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Uh, This is episode three and uh, I hope anybody who's listened to it has enjoyed it and maybe they can kind of uh, relate to some of the stuff that I've been saying. And if it's anyone else who's feeling the same way, you know. Let them know that they're not alone and that their feelings are validated. That this is a super tough time for all of us, and to turn 62, be alone in the middle of a pandemic, working from home, and not having anybody as a source of companionship is exceptionally difficult right now. Yeah. My birthday was yesterday, and turning 62, I'd had all these grandiose ideas, what I was going to do when I turned 62. You know, that was the year that I thought I was going to get to retire. Um, Doodle Dick and I had made all, all of our financial plans, you know, well, since we'd been together for so long, we'd had you know, built multiple houses, had flipped houses, had, you know, had a rental property, had the boat, had retirement savings, and everything was heading up to today. And uh, here I am, you know, five years post-divorce. The divorce will actually final five years on uh, November 19th, and maybe I'll talk about that in a week or so. But it gets me thinking about, you know, all this time that has gone by and how I felt like I was on a certain trajectory and then it didn't happen. And it's, you know, so far it's been years trying to recover from that. Yeah. I got some really bad news this week was when I got the estimate for the house and I know I may have explained that, um, I got the house and the divorce, which, quote unquote, was the good news. And the bad news was that I also got the house and the divorce and that, you know, it's substandard and it's basically falling apart. <laughs> and the uh, base bid to put in a new foundation and just rough in a new first floor siding, windows, paint. That's not even a roof. It's gutters a new front porch, stairs, you know, all those kind of, and then refreshing the main floor by putting in new floors. I mean, we're not talking anything exotic here, it was $688,000. Now I can go four miles north of me and I can buy myself a 1985 Rambler, three bedroom, two bath, on a quarter acre lot, fully fenced with a hot tub for $650,000. To actually finish off the first floor such, I gave you additional living space. So that'd be 700 square feet of additional living space would be another $200,000. And that would give me two bedrooms, a kitchenette, bar, media room area, a dog wash bathroom. So again, it's nothing exotic, nothing, nothing spectacular. And then to build a little one and a half car garage with a 700 square foot apartment above it so that I could use it as a rental unit is another five hundred and eighty thousand dollars so when I dumped that into the mortgage all of a sudden I'm looking at a 1.6 million dollar investment and again I'm 62 years old you know I started this project when I was 58 and four years ago it all felt like oh boy you know this is something that's going to happen get the You know, I was going to get the basement fixed, get the water out of there, you know, build this little apartment, get a renter. You know, the college across the street was operating, not a problem getting a tenant and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was going to be a good sound investment. Well, here we are, you know, four years later. I'm up to sixty five thousand dollars so far getting the plans, the permits. Now, the dishwasher and the hot water heater went out last month. The cost to do the cost estimate so far has been $3,500. That's just for them to put pen to pencil and paper and review the plans that are drawn up and tell me how much it's going to cost. Now, when we met last week, I quite frankly told them there's just no way in the world that I can afford that. You know, I work as a public employee. Yeah, I've got a pension and yeah, but there's just no way that I have the income to support alone nor would the bank give me one that's going in this neighborhood that's going to provide for that kind of funding so i've been thinking about my mortality i guess you know when you're 62 you know you think that you're going to be living the good life you wouldn't be thinking you'd still be you know working for wages uh, When I started, I'm thinking about what would I tell my 19-year-old self? I've been thinking about that a lot. And uh, when I was 19, I worked for Sears in the HR department. And I remember staring at all the older women who at that point were probably in their 40s, you know, thinking, God, that is the last thing I want to do is be the oldest woman in the office. And listening to them, At that point, it was okay to smoke in the office and they'd sit back at the break room and have their cigarettes and their coffee, talk about so-and-so and and talk about so-and-so. Part of my job was, you know, being a file clerk. And since we were the central HR office for the Pacific Northwest, and I mean, Sears was big back then. I mean, we had, you know, a couple hundred stores that we serviced, And it would be inevitably that you'd get the retirement for somebody and two years later, you'd get their death certificate. These folks would work for Sears for 40 years and get their pension and get their stock options, which used to be very healthy before they, you know, really fucked themselves up. And they'd last two years and die. So they'd be dead when they're 65. Well, my mom passed away in, um, it's 94 now, the age of 71. Now, granted, she had uncontrolled diabetes, and she had a lousy diet, and she did not believe in exercise, and her idea was to sit all day, get in the car, and drive down to get some fast food, and then drive around, and or call my sister and have her drive her around. And that was her life. My dad died in maybe 2000, six years later, at age 77. Again, he was an uncontrolled diabetic. He smoked, he did not take care of himself. He was mean as shit. I mean, he really was mean as shit. And I've got independent Uh, validation on that one, which is a story for another time. But your expectations when you're 19 and then as you go through life, immortality hits you in the face, and then all of a sudden you're that person that's in your office that you used to just absolutely could not, Bring yourself to ever think that you'd be them. I've probably got more seniority in my office than just about anybody. I'm one of the oldest people who are there and that's out of over 800 people in the building. I'm one of the older ones. Uh, The only thing I've got going for me is I don't look quite as old as I am. So I was the oldest of three girls. And I was the smart one. Uh, I have a feeling that I was also the unwanted one. Uh, my family would celebrate if somebody farted. I mean, we had cake, ice cream, you know, party, get pizza, whatever. Uh, even though we were low, lower middle class, there was always, you know, if, somebody, if something was coming up, you know, you always had to go get a cake or do something for it. But not once through my entire knowing my parents, you know, for 40 years, did they ever celebrate their anniversary. Well, um, my mom was Catholic. And so, you know, being the oldest kid, you kind of do the math and realize that they never mentioned their wedding anniversary. They never celebrated their anniversary. Then there was no wedding pictures. There was no ever discussion with us of us getting married. So my guess is that, uh yeah, I was a surprise. And my dad hated me. You know, he wanted a boy. My dad didn't even go to the hospital when I was born. And he did the same thing. You know, 18 years later, when I graduated from high school, he didn't even bother to come to my high school graduation. My middle sister um, is the, was the, the golden child. And she did everything right. And, you know, my folks bought her a car. They paid for her college and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, of course, there's a lot of jealousy on that part because she didn't seem to have to earn anything. And then my youngest sister is the baby of the family, and she's the prototypical baby of the family. And she dropped out of high school. My parents supported her. She lived at home until my dad actually died, and then she found the 80-year-old man that she moved in with, and now he supports her. But there seems to be an awful lot of unfairness because neither one of them work. They got their youth paid for. Now they're getting their old age paid for. And here I am, still sitting here, I'm going to work every day and it's a it's kind of a slap in the face well when i turned 19 i was a fat kid in high school i never had any boyfriends never had any you know anybody attracted to me i did not go to any of the school dances i didn't go to any of the parties i was never in with any of the cliques My actually, my middle sister went to my own high school senior prom because she was dating one of the seniors. And again, you know, I never bought a formal dress. I never did any of those kind of rituals that people associate with high school. Yeah. So when um, I was still living at home, and when I got my job at Sears, and I worked in the toy department and, you know, met a whole bunch of people there and we really, you know, that was really a formative few years that we had a lot of fun working together and through a friend of a friend is how I met Dick Doodle and uh, he was the first guy that had ever paid any attention to me. So really he was the only boyfriend I ever had and I ended up marrying him. My mom didn't think we were ever going to grow up. As I said, she never talked about us growing up. She never talked about us moving away from home. She never talked about us going to college. So when the time came for when I wanted to go to college, my dad refused to even fill out financial aid forms to see if I was eligible to get any kind of financial aid. And given our income situation, I'm sure I would have been. I was accepted into three schools because they allowed you to apply for. back then you could apply for college and there was like a there wasn't any money attached to an application you just had to go take the SATs and I think we had another there's another test that you went and took I can't remember what it was but yeah I got into three schools so when it came time to do the uh, financial aid forms he just told me that girls don't go to school girls get married and flatly refused to fill out the forms. And this was in the late 70s, and at that point you could not file for financial aid on your own. You were considered dependent on your parents until you were age 26, even though you couldn't get medical coverage, even though you couldn't get any kind of benefits out of it. The federal government didn't allow you to apply for financial aid until you were on your own for at least five years, age 26 so i ended up you know that's how i ended up working at sears and going to school the community college part-time and uh back then you know going to the community college the credit was eleven dollars so i mean my tuition bill was you know like 95 bucks a quarter and i know anybody who's going to hear that's going to think wow but you have to realize you know I was getting paid $3.75 an hour, and I remember being so excited. The first time I made $100, in a, I cleared $100 in a week. So, I mean, that was like a milestone. I got the check, and you sit there and stared at it. It's like, wow, you know, I made $100 for a week. You know, now I can't even go to Costco for 100 bucks. but, you know, I don't want to sound like an old fart. Saying yeah, you know, the first house I bought was fifty nine thousand dollars, and now I can't even get a house in the same area for ten times that amount. Yeah, shit, I know, I know. And I heard our parents say all that. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna whine and complain. It, it is what it is. But it was really tough growing up with no money. I mean, we got, uh, we went through Catholic school. And so my mom felt it was more important to go to Catholic school than actually, you know, go on to an education. They did not, they didn't go to college. They didn't see any value in college. They didn't understand why I wanted to go to college. And the other two didn't want to go to college at that time. So I do remember my parents fighting constantly over money. And there were weeks when my dad had two dollars. And we would go dumpster diving down at the grocery store for lettuce and bread and that kind of stuff. Yeah, did that. Uh, we got government cheese. We got the canned milk. Uh, we got uh, the powdered milk, and then you'd mix that with the regular milk. So I remember, you know, that was the in the neighborhood, that was the big thing about how you make powdered milk taste better. And it was, you know, did you mix it with water, you mix it with milk. So all, of, all the mothers had their different kind of schemes on how to make powdered milk tastes better. But the government cheese was pretty good. I mean, I think anybody you talk to that's ever gotten government cheese would tell you it's probably some of the best cheese that ever came. And it was just like this big, huge log of cheese. It wasn't Velveeta. It was real cheese. So, um, yeah, my dad was a mechanic, auto mechanic. And uh, my mom was a housewife and she stayed home and she would uh she was quite a bit overweight and so she was always on a diet and so that was always kind of the diet culture even though I was a fat kid I do remember that um when I was 16 doctors decided to put me on amphetamines so my metabolism was screwed up to start out with um my mom also cooked very heavy. you know, she was from the South, so you know, there was not you had your bread, you had your potatoes, you had your gravy, you had your fried foods. and that was, that was dinner. I actually mean, tell you, I never really got along well with my dad at all, and, and in fact, I was not allowed to eat dinner with the family. My dad broke my nose three times, and uh, we had a round kitchen table. And I had to eat dinner at a TV tray in the living room because my dad and I fought so bad. And everybody would say, oh, yeah, it's because the two of you are too alike. It's like, no, we weren't alike at all. I just know that he didn't like me. You know, when you start putting things together, you realize he breaks your nose, you know, he calls you fat to your face. He won't fill out your financial aid form. You know, he doesn't go to your high school graduation and just quite like, frankly didn't like me so um yeah the uh not having an advocate grow up you know did cause me to really lean on in school and that was the one thing I had going for me when that I was I'm relatively bright and I'm still leaning on that but when You've never had any parental attention and you don't have, and then the first guy that comes along that shows you affection and attention, you're going to go that way. You know, it seemed like a good way out. And this is going to sound really crazy is that uh, when I was about, I must have been, just turned 18. And um, graduated from high school and working with the group down at Sears. And there was a spot open at one of the, you know, there's a group of girls that were living together. And one of the roommates moved out. And so I made plans to move out of the house, my parents' house, and move into their house. Now, you know, I'm, we're moving from, I'm moving all of about 12 miles. Uh, my mother had an absolute shit fit. Absolute shit fit. You know, and I mean, this was... Since there was going to be five people sharing a house, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, it was something I could afford because everybody worked as theirs. Everybody was going to school part-time or full-time or whatever. So, I mean, it was what you did back then. It's not how it was today. I mean, when you turned 18 in the 70s and early 80s, you wanted to move out. You did. Your parents were not your best friends. And knowing the animosity that me and my dad had towards each other, it was it was time for me to go. So I made plans to move out of the house and talked to my folks about it. And they told me I couldn't do it. It's like, what do you mean I can't do it? Then my mom stopped speaking to me. Then my dad stopped speaking to me. They made a pact that they just I was not moving out of the house. Now, I don't know what the advantage was to keeping me there. I didn't get along with them. We were, you know, five people in a two bedroom, one bath house, it didn't make any sense. And to this day, I can't figure out why other than not wanting control would have been the reason to want me not to move out. So, you know, when you're 19, you know, that age, you know, I had plans that, you know, I'm gonna go to school and then get my AA degree Then I'm going to take off for a year. I'm going to go travel and go see some stuff until I turn 21 and then maybe go back to the U and finish up my degree and, you know, all those kind of things down the road. You know, I really um, love skiing. That's one of my passions. And, you know, I'd plan to take off and maybe go be a ski bum or follow the ski, you know, go around, do some skiing, go to this, move to Vail, move to, you know, that's what everybody was doing back then. Uh, Guys were going on fishing trips. Girls were moving to the ski areas. It was like, it was a time to do that. It was a time in my life to do that. And I blew it. Uh, I was so desperate to get away from home that... I was out with Dick Doodle and was 18 and we were at a party and I didn't feel like going home, so I didn't. Then I went over to his place and spent the night and my mother told me I was not welcome to come back in the house. So I waited until I knew that they were all be gone. And I broke into the house and I stuffed all of my shit into my car, which you know it consisted of a rack of clothes, a beanbag chair and uh, my record albums, which I still have my vinyl, which is pretty cool. I still have it, which when I look at it, it's like, Jesus, I don't even remember half these people because it was bought when I was on drugs. Um, but that's another story. But I had to go over there and sneak out of the house and take my stuff and throw it in the back of my car and get the hell out of there and go back over to Dick Doodle's apartment. And he didn't. Ha- we had a mattress on the floor, a beanbag chair, and a black and white TV. So it was sort of like jumping from the frying pan into the fire. I don't know. What would you have done? What could I have done differently? What would I tell my 19-year-old self? Tell my 19-year-old self to run. You'd eaten in the living room by yourself, had all your meals for 10 years by yourself. Why was it important that they weren't speaking to you? You had a job. had friends. Why was... Was it so important to still be seeking parental approval on helping you move out and accepting that you were growing up that, you know, I caved and then finally it got to be too much. And we went from one extreme to the other. I think it's really sad that my parents put me into that position because we then didn't speak for a year. And I remember my dad tracking me down at Dick Doodle's place and reading me the riot act of how I could act that way. And this was after, you know, all these other things had happened. And it was like, it was pretty easy for me to act that way. I had to basically run away from home as an adult to, instead of being allowed to leave graciously because it's one of the greatest gifts that adults or parents can give their children as they grow up is that independence but my parents were selfish enough that they did not want to see me. I don't know, I feel like they didn't want to see me succeed and I'm going to do it in spite of them. You know how much it hurts to be sitting at your high school graduation and not have your parents in the stands? Uh, Remember it rained really hard and we were in an outdoor, Football field, and parents were coming down out of the stands and giving their kids umbrellas, and I had nobody there. When I did manage to finish up college and graduate from the university, I invited my parents, and my dad did go, and it was, you know, an opportunity to show him what I had done. And I would paid for it all on myself. I had managed to get through college, you know, it, yeah, it took me 13 years. I was on the Page You Go plan. Uh, but uh, got walked away from it without any student debt. And that's probably what allowed, you know, I'd really feel sorry for um, kids these days when you're going to have a significant amount of student debt because nobody should have to start out their life in that much debt. So, what would I tell my 19 year old self? I tell my nineteen year old self to it up, move out of the house, go off and enjoy myself, not worry so much about an education, go see something and get some real world experience, meet more people, make better friends, make more friends. But it's hard to it's hard to put yourself into that situation when when I know how, how desperate I was. And when you get into the desperate situation, you don't think straight. And I find myself into that same situation today. And that's one thing that I talk to my therapist every week is of that spinning out and going over things over and over and over and over and over and over and again, and rumination. And so I try to do some meditation, try to take the dog for a walk, I try to concentrate on putting one foot in front of the other. But when you're 62, you know, you only have so many steps left. Yeah, there's only so many steps left. And why I have great confidence that I will live longer than my parents, 71 and 77, considering we just elected somebody who is that age And he plans on running the country for four years. Uh, I really hope that, you know, know, I've taken pretty good care of myself. I've got, you know, physical and my cholesterol and no diabetes and all that kind of stuff is in great shape. Kidneys. Uh, But uh, I'm really, really hoping that uh, I will get to see the fruits of my labor. Oh, that's Ziggy. That's the cat. He's 11, and right now he's deciding he's going to sit on the keyboard and not break something. Hey, dude. Yes, he's a good cat. He really is. He's the only pet that I've got that's left from the dick doodle days. All of the other ones have passed away. And um, so he's the lone survivor, even though I've got my other little gang of fur, fur friends that live in their fur co-workers and fur housemates. Um, Ziggy's the last, the last man standing, but he's a good dude. So, uh, with that said, if, I, I've, I've, the next, the next six months are going to be another another rocky six months, you know, I'm really ready to have some time where it's not a rocky six months. I'm really ready to have some time where it's time to be, you know, get this weight off my shoulder. I really want to see the light at the end of the tunnel and not have it be a fucking train, <laughs> you know? Um, I really hope that, uh, something will come up that maybe the the house will sell and I can go buy a new house and I can move and live within my means and uh, move on. So this is KJ signing off. Again, if you guys want to get a hold of me, I'm at KJ1958 yahoo.com. That's S-K-Y-E-R-K-A-Y-J-A-Y 1958 at yahoo.com and I'll chat again next week. Bye-bye.